Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They have to know. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life in New, in York, New York City, City and, and the, world. the world. Dylan, I we always say like, oh my God, what are we going to talk about? What are we going to talk about? But today I just want to check in with you. Oh, see how you're doing. Well, okay. How generous. Well, the reason I want to do this is because I was daydreaming as I do, think, thinking a hundred steps ahead in the future about what, what the podcast will be like when we no longer live together slash wow. no, longer, no longer record in the same space. And I'm like, oh my God, we'll actually literally be catching up on the pod sometimes. Yeah. That's that's a distant that's a distant thought, but okay, I'm following. Not too distant, I don't think. But okay, anyway, spo- spoiler alert. Um, but I was thinking there is something that I didn't tell you about that I thought was hysterical. That okay. I was like, this 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 feels like it feels weird that I haven't shared this with you yet. But I was awake the other night at like twelve thirty in the morning, which for me is late. That is yes. late for me. And I was you know doom scrolling as you do in a in a for some reason, just on Instagram, found myself on someone I used to date on his profile. And then on his profile, he had a link to his Twitch. Which which, is very in right now. It's having a moment. Twitch is in. That's where you like live stream yourself, like playing video games or talking. I don't really understand the whole gist. I don't, I don't want to (laughs) know. This reminds me of when we weren't sure what um post malone was we're like we don't want to know what that is but anyway so i went to his twitch and found that he live streams video games but okay also live streamed a 90 minute lesson slash lecture on how not to break up with somebody and dylan let me tell you oh no Again, it was like 12, 1230 a.m. I watched all 90 minutes of this Twitch waiting to Stop. see if anything about me or our relate anything would come up. It did not. But I okay. was shaking, shaking. Oh, I can imagine. I, I would have been like scrubbing through the video the whole time trying to find something. I know. That's it was, crazy. It, it was wild. He like broke down categories, gave video examples. And then his like live streamers were interacting with him. And he it was it was That's more in depth than RuPaul's masterclass. It is. It is. <laughs> oh my god! Totally. But anyway, I was like, "What is my life?" That's this is so funny, crazy. Um, are you mad at me? Okay, let's. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think we should bring in our guest because this is an amazing. It's a new music Friday, yes. and there's lots of new music out today. But we are going to be chatting with someone who dropped the best music to come out today. Love it. Okay, I'm going to read them in. Please do, Dylan. I'm ready. Right. I'm shaking. Our guest today is the new King of Soul, but make it Broadway. Having made his great bright way debut in 2013 in the original Broadway cast of one of our favorite musicals, Kinky Boots, as an angel, he went on to be the first replacement for Lola in the Tony-winning musical. In addition to putting the sex in the heel, touring the country as Lola, our guest also appeared in Charlie in the Chocolate Factory on Broadway. He's also starred in Hair, Dreamgirls, and more, as well as toured in the company of In the Heights. He memorably slayed the house down in the 2018 
off-Broadway revival of Smokey Joe's Cafe, where we became fast friends working together. You'll know him from the live production of Jesus Christ Superstar on NBC, as well as appearances in Finian's Rainbow and the world premiere of My Very Own British Invasion. Now he is a recording artist marrying his love of soul and musical theater into Broadway soul, of which the first volume was released in 2019. And now today, volume two has been released via Broadway Records, featuring a friend of the show, Jackie Cox, Shoshana Bean, another friend of the show, Blaine Alden Krauss, and more. This beautiful queer artist is a visionary, and we are thrilled to have him on the pod. Please welcome to drama, Kyle Kyle Taylor Taylor Parker. Parker. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Oh my Welcome. goodness. What, what, a, what a day for you. It's wild. This is the birthday of Broadway Soul Volume 2. It's so exciting. Oh my goodness. And it's it's like love is in the air. And also I feel like we're like radio DJs who are like having you stop in for like a little promo on like your mini tour. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so before we get into the album, I'm wondering, Kyle, are you well? Are you doing well? I'm doing great. Um, I think the pandemic, right? You have to take each day as they come. Today's a really awesome day. I'm sure we've all had days that have been kind of, you know, weird or yucky, but today is not one of those. Nothing wrong with this day. Oh my God, I love it. I know, has it been like just such a happy, happy day? It really has. I mean, not to get too far into it, but comparing to my first release, Broadway Soul Volume 1, I think I didn't give myself enough time to really enjoy it. Mm. And making an album in the middle of a pandemic, you have nothing but time. And so I've just been leaning into all of the enjoyment. Um, and now that it's out there, I've just really been taking it in. So it's been a fabulous day. Oh my God. Well, you deserve it. The album is absolutely unreal. I was, I was wondering how you would be able to top the first volume because it's so Thank inventive. You. I know, topping, I know, brave. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm blown away. I've already listened to the new one like three times. It is so brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Where did you come up with the idea to do the first album? And then when did you decide to make it two parts? I guess I kind of always knew I set myself up, right? Because the first album is Broadway Soul Volume 1. And um, I didn't know how far that would go or how soon the next one would come out. But the concept itself came out of a place of frustration. Um, being a Black theater artist, I didn't feel like I got to express my humanity fully in all roles. And I was spoiled. Lola is like the queen of humanity. Oh, yeah. And so after that, it's like, where do you go? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was doing Charlie and the Proper Factory on Broadway and I loved Mrs. Green, but I wasn't singing that much. So I wanted to create a place um, where I could create theater, but within this package, my voice, my life experience, my queer experience, all of that, and, and show the world that that too is human. So that's where Broadway Soul One came from. And then... I knew that I wanted to make an album of love songs. Um, I didn't know there was going to be a pandemic. <laughs> that happened. And I was really bummed at first, like, man, I guess I'm not going to make that second album. Then we saw that we're getting deeper and deeper into the shutdown of the Broadway shutdown. And I felt like, I know I'm going to need theater. And just yeah. because we can't get on stage, how, how can we still connect? I think that as human beings, who we are at our best is connection when we connect with one another so i got on the phone with sunny paladino who's the music director of monkey joe's cafe yes and many more and i said sunny do you think it's possible to remotely make an album can we do this and, and have it sound great i never worked with the producer before 
um, this album I did. And I, that is the big difference in the sound quality as well as working with the producer and me mm-hmm. just being able to sing and not worry about anything. But we recorded it over eight months and it went from just an album of love songs to um, the entire packaging looks like a Broadway cast recording. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a story and everything. So it's a love letter to theater, the closest we can get to mm-hmm. theater. Oh my goodness. It absolutely is. I love just the, the cover image, you in that gorgeous white ensemble. Um, Thank you. It is so good. And also I agree. It feels theatrical. Just, I mean, you have some recurring characters throughout the, uh, <laughs> throughout the album and whatnot, but I've got to say my favorite song on the, on the new album is what I did for love. Thank you. It feels just like this beautiful coda to the album and just the whole process after now hearing about the whole journey of of both of them together it it just feels like the perfect finale how did you even go about choosing what songs to include there were a few things had to happen uh, i knew that i wanted to record what i did for love that had been on my heart since i wrapped the first album um it really is kind of the thesis of the whole project now mm-hmm. at the end of the chorus line when they say well, what would you do if you could never dance again if you could never well i crawl up in my closet and make an album i guess <laughs> so that i knew i was gonna make that then with each guest artist on the album um they weren't really in my mind i just kind of i asked and because they were you know trapped at home uh luckily they said yes and so i wanted to find a song that would bring it bring out the best in each of them because i'm a fan of each person on the album so mm-hmm. to me natalie joy john's number had to feel like bet midler today you know talking on the phone with me having girl talk about boys you know that just made sense so <laughs> then i start thinking what what song does that and to me that's you could drive a person crazy um but instead of it being three women talking about a relationship or three men talking about a relationship it's uh, two friends talking about you know thing that's not really going right um, that's really the process went that way. Truth, story. And then there's the third factor, which is the wild card, which is a song, a song from musical theater that people love. You know, like mm-hmm. I want to do classic, iconic songs that people love and never imagined in these new ways, like Buddy's Blues. Buddy's Blues. Oh my God. I love. And also, what about love from the color purple? I loved hearing that between two men, let alone two queer men. Like, how, how cool is that? Thank you. That was the goal, you know, uh, going to conservatory. Everyone was very nice to me, um, but there, I always felt like there was like yellow tape around certain topics, you mm. know, when it came to me and what I could do. And no one ever really said no to me, but I was always pushed in a different direction. And I started noticing it was always the romantic lead parts that I would sing it. And I'd say, you sound gorgeous, but let's try this character thing. And um, I understood that eventually what it was is they really couldn't buy me the idea of me being romantic uh, <laughs> with a woman, or I don't even know if it's otherwise. So for me, I really wanted to create a space for black male vulnerability and black male queer vulnerability. I think that as queer people, we often have to imagine ourselves in love songs through a straight lens. And I wanted to create something that the listener could hear and say, I want to get married to this, or I see myself falling in love to this, you know? Oh my God, that's beautiful. Look at you creating representation where there, there really isn't any, right? That's incredible. That's groundbreaking, really. I mean, thanks you. Yeah. 
I'm thinking about it and I'm like, well, I can think of one other example of black queer representation and that's on Pose. I think that's the yes. only thing I can, th- and that's, you know, ironically with Billy Porter, but that's the only other thing I can really think of at the top of my head. I thought of Moonlight, the film, but. Yes. Oh, oh there you go. But okay. the actors okay. weren't. Yeah. The actors weren't. The actors weren't. I know. And neither is Barry Jenkins, the director. Interesting. Yeah. And I'm grateful for the story. It's an incredible oh, yeah. film. Totally. Um, but, you know, and there's great representation that's beginning in film and television. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I just, Shoshana taught me that. Um, don't wait for someone else to build it. Build it for yourself. Ooh. And so I'm like, well, I know what I can do and what I want to see. And I have nothing but time right now. So might as well <laughs> see what happens, right? Oh, that's great advice. So did you truly just have to lay down the vocals and then the rest of it was like, was the band somewhere remote or did Sonny just handle all of that? It was all individual. So we even arranged, um, we were normally, you don't record an arrangement, but since everyone's recording from home, you have to. So the arrangement Mm -hmm. process was you lay down a piano track, you lay down a, a drum track. I lay down a scratch. We send that then to the guitars. Then you send it to the bass. Then you send it to the horns. We listen. We say, oh, this won't work. You have to fix the beginning and the end. Send that back to that person, back to this person. And this is just the scratch to lay down what we're singing to. Then once we've done that, you record the lead vocals. Um, And if it's a duet, the rule we came up with was send it to the duet, the guest artist first, so that then it can come back to me and I can build the harmonies based on what I'm hearing and figure out where everything goes based on what I'm hearing and try to make it feel as organic as possible. Um, and then from that point, because everyone, I, I was with a, a happy team of, what are they called? Perfectionists. You know, <laughs> no one would take, <laughs> would take uh, okay for an answer. And so then um, our producers started adding percussion and said, oh, you know, this really needs this thing here. It needs a horn there. It needs us. Now we're adding stuff to a vocal. I sang um, Fallen in Love with Love without horns. The final vocal was not created with horns. Oh. Horns came in later and they riff around me. Same thing with Buddy's Blues. The guitar wasn't there when I recorded. It was put in after and he's riffing off of what he hears me doing. Mm. How awesome. It's, it's, you really adapted <laughs> to the time, right? I mean, that is so cool. I guess I really don't know how recording works in a pre-pandemic <laughs> situation. <laughs> But this sounds like an added challenge. So I'm even more impressed with the, with the product, you know? Thank you. Yeah, normally you're all together or at least all the bands together. And then you come in the next day and do it to the band. It's not, normally not like this. This was wild. It took a lot of patience. And of course you worked with our pal, Robbie Roselle to uh, put it all yes. together. Yeah. Oh my God, we love <laughs> Robbie's the best and he's been a champion of mine since the beginning of this project you know Broadway Soul Volume 1 I raised a bunch of money on this platform called Pledge Music and a lot of artists use Pledge to Music yeah. um, but they were they kind of turned and they took everyone's money right and so for a second it looked like Broadway Soul was not going to happen we didn't have a distribution deal there was no Broadway records nothing I met Robbie and showed him a few YouTube videos of the soul session that I did when I was at Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and told him the concept and essentially was like, that's not going to happen. And he said, I think you can raise the money again. And he helped the entire thing along. I then went to Kickstarter and he's like, just tell the truth, tell your story. 
Um, so I told the story and it's always so hard to ask people. You think you're asking for money, but really you're saying support the arts. Mm-hmm. I don't make any money off of this. Every cent goes to making the thing. And then Robbie packaged it so gorgeously. The first album mm-hmm. looks gorgeous on CD and vinyl. And then the second album looks stunning. It's like right out of my dreams, what I imagine this thing to look like. Mark J. Franklin from um, Playbill did oh, the yeah. photos. We rented the Honeywell. Uh, from oh my the day God, the Honeywell. And took a bunch of pictures. Just the, just the two of us, you know. Is that the booth that you're sitting in? That is the booth, yeah. Oh my God. I, oh my goodness. We used to go there all the time. We lived like kind of in that neighborhood, like a little bit more East, but uh-huh. oh my goodness. And I remember they would do like fun drinks that were like, they would like smoke or like be on fire. And then they had to stop doing them after a while. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> wow. Wait a minute. I'm not, how much money had you raised before this, this um, company? The went? Pledge Music thing? Yeah. I had raised... I think the first one I raised $6,000, I want to say. And then on Kickstarter for that project, I raised nine. Oh my so goodness. I came back even better. But I $6,000, especially when you as an artist yourself don't have two cents, that's mm-hmm. a lot of money to be taken advantage of. Oh, that's oh, crazy. That's terrible. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And it's wild to see from there to here though. Yeah. Yeah. And you yep. persevered. <laughs> God, yep. some, some people might have just given up and said, you know what? Not meant to be. I did for a moment, but no one let me. <laughs> like, I was like, it's done. It's a wrap. And friends kept saying, what happened to it? What happened to it? Then Robbie was like, come on, mm-hmm. just do it. And so, but it's so wild to see you push through and now you got a second one. I know. Totally different. The sequel. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love it so much. It is so, congrats, seriously. Thank you. Now, Kyle, or is it Kyle Taylor? <laughs> what do you prefer? Tricky, right? So yeah. you can call me Kyle, but most people call me KTP. So KTP? all three. I love that. <laughs> okay, so KTP. We like to ask all of our guests that come on the show about the moment that they realized that they wanted a life in the performing arts. We call it a ring of keys moment, riffing on that moment in Fun Home when young Allison sees someone that she identifies with for the first time and thinks, I, that is me. I see myself finally. Do you feel like you had your ring of keys moment where you thought, oh my gosh, a life in the arts is what I want? Yes. Uh, The very first Broadway show I saw, I think it was probably like eight or nine or so. I saw Annie um, and Nell Carter was in it. She was playing Mrs. Hannigan. And I I said, this is a joke, but I do kind of, I, I, I think it may be true. I don't know if it was the orphans or Nell Carter that like, something hit where I was like, I want to do that. Nowadays, I think it's Miss Hannigan I'd like uh-huh. to play. But <laughs> yeah, I just saw that show. And a lot of kids have a thing with Annie. I saw the mm-hmm. show and I said, this is what I want to do. And I was always in acting class as a kid and I never stopped. Nice. So will little girls be on volume three of uh, Broadway Soul? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Anything's possible. Like Broadway villains. Um... Oh, that's a concept. Uh, yeah, so you good know, it, to be it bad. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, as you, were, as you were talking about how you, you were kind of never got the chance to play the romantic lead, I think, yeah. like I'm like producing your third album here, but I'm like, what if you did all the songs, the duets, the I want songs of the romantic leads, but your way, the KTP way? I think that's a fabulous idea. I love that idea. Bobby is another dream role, of course. Oh, yeah. Like that's the iconic. Everyone wants to get to sing mm-hmm. Being Alive. 
Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Here for it. Oh, my God. It's crazy you mentioned that because when I was listening to your album this morning, you know, you have the company song on there. And then when Shoshana came in, I was like, oh, would Shoshana be a good Bobby? You know, because in the, in the revival, they had a female Bobby. And then I was like, oh, I wonder who else could play Bobby. And then, like, my mind starts, you know, drifting. I'm like, Cynthia Erivo would be unbelievable as Bobby. And she's she's around the age of 35, right? Mm, I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, my mind was just like, this would be great. This would be awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, Bobby is a great role. Yeah. I also have a fancy for Joanne, though. Imagine. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my God. That truly is my dream role. And I want to be dressed like Andre Leontali. And I mean, the first line is, who is that? That is she. And she is married to him. And she is very rich. I think that is, I can just feel it in my bones. I want to do it. It came out of your soul just now. I see it for you. <laughs> have you oh, done company? That. Have you done any Sondheim? I haven't, which is why I made it a point to put some on the album. Oh, yeah. um, Sondheim is the great, you know, I haven't yet. Yet. I love it. Well, we'll, you'll, we'll get you in company because, you know, I remember when this Marianne Elliott production was being produced and brought to Broadway. A lot of people, and myself included, were like, oh, they're taking... They're taking away some of these great female voices and they did give them to other characters and whatnot. But, you know, I also think that it would just work great as a gay story. And like, I always wondered about Bobby when being played by Ah. a heteronormative man that, you know, there's that scene towards the end where he's kind of propositioned in a way. And I think there's a lot of mystery to Bobby. Um, I could see you doing a KTP. I could. Oh, thank you. (laughs) okay so now we need to talk about the time when you two met but the first time i saw you on stage was in smoky joe's cafe that fantastic revival what what, was that 2018 it was oh my god wow time flies yes now what led you to doing that production i remember meeting you it was like a photo shoot at this um photographer's studio i think it was you and Dion? I'm trying to remember. It was Dion and I. Yes, it was. Yeah. Oof. That was so many moons ago. I was, sh- I was truly nervous to meet you because we had seen you in Kinky Boots on tour. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yes, yes, yes. But that, what, what led to you even auditioning for Smokey? Like, what, wh- where were you in your career prior to that experience? Yeah, my audition for Smokey Joe's Cafe happened during a lunch break um, for Jesus Christ Superstar Live on NBC. Oh, I was wow. at the church over on, um, I want to say that's on 59th, the church space where the Rockettes rehearsed. Uh-huh. We were all rehearsing there. And everyone would do this um, because you need a job. And that was a very short gig. So mm-hmm. you take the lunch break and the entire creative team was there. And I remember I was kind of, I get um, really, I don't like auditioning and we all have to do it, but I just feel like I'm such a creative person. I wish that auditions worked like, give me three days, like watch me over three days, rehearse something. And then you decide if you want me or not, because I really love to create and auditions sometimes can feel to me like I have to have the best version of a thing. Mm-hmm. It's not true and it all works out in the end, but I was kind of like, it's a lunch break. How can I possibly, um, is there any way they can see me later? My manager was like, 
you're going, so just <laughs> go. And then, and of course I was going to go. It's not like I wasn't going to go, but I had no time to think about it. Ran to the rehearsal space. They're all waiting there. I was doing Camille A. Brown's choreography in Jesus Christ Superstar. So I was sweaty. I was hungry. Oh my God. I was nervous. I had to switch into like some fancy, nice looking clothes. I sing um, the Adrian material. And, you know, Smokey Dress Cafe is a rite of passage for Black performers. It really is. And I had never gotten to do it. I saw the show on Broadway with my dad. It's a very special show to me. Um, and so I wanted the job. I did, sang the songs. They were like, that's all we need today. And I, and I got on the taxi, went back to rehearsal. And I was like, well, I didn't get that. And I was pissed off. And the phone rang the next day being like, they want you. <laughs> I oh, think my goodness. That I feel least prepared, that I don't think about, um, but that I want like hell. It happens. So just don't overthink it. Wow. That's where I was before. I love that. That is so funny. It's it's sometimes those things where it's like you just have to trust your gut and just go for it. And you never know what will come through. Um, wait, I'm trying to remember. Didn't they put a bunch of like stars in the original production like that people would come in and out? Did you see any celebs when you saw it on Broadway? Yep. I saw it with Gladys Knight. Gladys Knight oh was doing goodness. Alicia's part was doing Patty. Oh, my goodness. That's right. Because it's the the show is very much crafted around the performers doing it was your track ultimately the adrian track or was it did they didn't they kind of cut things up and pass them to different uh, performers yeah, they changed everything so then the first we all think we're doing smoky joe's cafe as we know it right and we get to the first day the day before the first day of rehearsal um the creative team sent out the song assignments and i said song assignments i was okay and so we look at it um and they pretty much crafted the show on us and what they felt we had to offer. So my track, what I thought was an Adrian track actually ended up being like a Victor KTP hybrid. And okay. I got to sing one cut song from the show, Smokey Joe's Cafe. Mm-hmm. The title song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how fun. You had such a fun track. That was, ob- I mean, I worked on the marketing for that show. So we, we were kind of flailing around that summer, but I just remember thinking that you were like, a breath of comedic relief, but you also delivered so much soul throughout that show. I mean, it was truly like an amazing production. I wish it, I wish it would have had more legs. I I wonder what it was, if it was the theater, you know, there's so many different things someone can blame, but. It's so hard. And like, um, someone told me once, you know, theater, it's meant to happen. It's a moment. And when the moment passes, you just let it, you release it. It's like you learn how to love by doing theater. Mm. Oof, you are dropping. This is like the third little nugget of wisdom that you have dropped <laughs> between the, you know, the Shoshana advice, this. That's really beautiful. That's really cool. Yeah, it was such a good high energy. I loved it because you didn't do an intermission, right? It just went all the way nope. through. That was, I think, a good choice. It was great. Yeah. I mean, that was a high, you could not approach that show from the back foot doing it. I had, I would ride my bike to the theater to warm up because it was nonstop, full, high energy, you know. I remember the guys all had like sweat cloths on the bar just to wipe off between numbers because it was that intense. And that was, of course, Josh Burgas did the director choreographer moment there. Of smash, of smash fame, <laughs> amongst yeah. other amongst other things. But yes, <laughs> actually, I saw him there when I was when I saw the show, and I was like, oh my god, he did bombshell. He's the best. <laughs> He's the nicest. And we met doing um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and it was funny because 
It wasn't oh. until my audition, I don't think, that he'd ever heard me sing. And that was really liberate my audition for Smokey Joe's Cafe. Okay. He'd never heard me sing. And we'd just spent a year together on Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. So it was also kind of liberating to get to be known as an actor and not a singer for a period of time. Yeah. Then when you do want to sing, you're like, oh, by the way, I do this. Oh my God. So speaking of Charlie, that's something that we've, we've never seen that production that it was a, sort of a reimagining of this beloved musical, right? Story. It was. Yeah. Yep. And who, who were the, like the songwriting team? Like, was it like the original stuff just kind of revamped? No, it was Mark Shaman. Oh my God. Um, love. How do yes, I not know that? Yeah. <laughs> and it was fun. And he has such a way, you know, and Scott Whitman, they have such a way um, that is very whimsical and and fun they mark has a love for lyrics oh yeah you know they were lovers for years and years and years and then now are just still they still work together yeah what yeah, that's i know <laughs> i never knew i never yeah. knew this that's mm-hmm. iconic you know i always say the gay men can really navigate relationships like they can be friends they can be lovers they can be co-workers they can be former lovers who work together i really think because you know the age-old question is always can a man and woman be friends and not want to sleep together or whatever you know but all right like the harry when harry met sally conundrum of it all but i think gay men can do it all unless something horrible happens but that's that's a fascinating uh well, connor I, I smell you having your own little twitch stream now <laughs> This is going to be your monologue you <laughs> from, from my aforementioned Twitch um, uh-huh. deep dive. I know. Have you ever heard of Twitch, KTP? I had never heard of it. I've never felt so ancient. When, <laughs> except when you said Twitch, I said, wow. I was like, I don't even want to know what it is. <laughs> okay, so I need to talk to you about one of the greatest musicals of all time, Kinky Boots. Ah, uh, yes. When did your involvement start? Um, so I did every production of the show except for the one workshop before Out of Town. So I joined for the Out of Town tryout and I was an angel. <laughs> Insane. How, now that, that's another one that's just like the physicality that you all had to do in that show, the angels in particular. Mm-hmm. Were you the angel who was any of the, uh, the wrestling ring bar- barricades during In This Corner? I was the leg. I was the, the post. I'm the original post. <laughs> so funny. I, I remember like always forgetting that was a moment and then just being fully gagged whenever <laughs> that angel would just drop down and do that. Yeah. Were you a Lola understudy always? No, I was not originally um, supposed to understudy the part. I was 23 years old, right? Mm. So um, I think they felt that I was really young. And so one day I asked the creative team if I could cover the part. I said, listen, I don't have to ever go on. I just want to rehearse. I don't think a role like this will ever come again for someone like me. Can I just rehearse? And so I convinced them. Um, And I always tell people that passion doesn't get enough credit. Mm. You don't have to know everything, but if you have passion, sometimes that can get you really far. So I asked them if I could just get paid to rehearse. And one day there was no one in the building to play the part. Billy was sick. uh, The standby was on vacation and I got to go on. And Jerry was in town and Harvey was in town. And that changed the course of my life. And that's how I became all the rest. Wow. Oh my God. That gives me chills. So was it opposite Stark? Yeah. Oh my God. We had him on the podcast last month. The most generous person. I'm, oh my God, such a sweetheart. He really is on and off stage. I got the call saying, um, you're going on. Can, Stark would like to run through the scenes with you. Can you make it to the theater? I said, yeah, when will he be there? They said, he's already here. 
okay, <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> so I got in a taxi. I got there and we ran through. We, I think we did two scenes. We didn't do all of it. We went in thinking we we're going to do all of it. We did two scenes and he looked at me and he said, I think we're good to go. And then he walked out and the rest of the night was magic. It's like, I love it. I'm getting off track, but one thing about Charlie that I love mm-hmm. um, is that you get, when new covers go on to do it too, you get to make a new best friend. So kind uh-huh. of the less you know about them at the top of the night, there can be a little bit of alchemy that grows throughout the evening. So then when the argument happens, it really feels like a betrayal because you've mm. made, you spent the whole night making a new friend and letting yourself trust again, you know? Wow. That's oh my so goodness. fun. You're right. Cause you really do watch the friendship start from in the show. Oh, yep. I love it. Did you draw inspiration from any, any icons other than Billy Porter in your portrayal of Lola? Later on I did. Mm-hmm. And embarrassingly enough, even when I was an angel, I didn't know anything about drag. I didn't know anything Mm. about drag, drag queens. I'd seen drag queens, but I didn't know. Now I'm like in love with drag, in love Uh with the history of drag, um, with the politics of drag, like what it is as art. I just love it. I didn't know anything when I first did it. So um, it it was fired by Billy or um, once I really took over the part, I filled it with my understanding of, you know, resilient women. I grew Mm. up with a lot of aunts who are strong black women who have had to fight for the place that they have in this world Hmm. so i took that and then at that time i was in a really fragile place in my life because i had lost a lot of people um and like my father passed away during the show and i was 23 in this big position and so i had a lot of uh what's that called imposter syndrome oh yeah and so i took those two ideas like being a young person who is kind of feigning having it all together because at the time I was the youngest Lola. So I had to fix it for myself. So who's feigning this sense of self-esteem and then finds it by the end of the show. So I, that was my way in. Wow. So powerful. And to think, you know, cause that whole, that adds a whole other layer to Lola then, because you think of Lola as maybe a little you know, been around the block and back again. And wow, that is that's Billy. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. Billy. And then, wow, oh my goodness. And, and you know, I can't even imagine how you would get through the Lola material after having that loss as well, because so much of Lola's story is tied to this father relationship. Yeah, I healed. I healed a lot doing that part. Oh my goodness. That That is, thank you for sharing that. That is so beautiful. I, wow. Um, just out of curiosity, who were your other Charlies? Did you, you did, were you with Stephen Booth on the road? Yeah, okay. I've done it with Stark. Andy Kelso. I'm oh, going to yes. say understudies too, because understudies yeah. are fabulous. So Stark, Andy Kelso, JJ, Martin, Mike Longo, Stephen Booth, Graham Scott Fleming, Jake Odemark. Oh, um, yes, we love. Uh, Ross Leakites. Um, yes. So about eight, and then a bunch of people in Canada. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Right, because you did you do it in um was did you do the Muni production? Of I Kinky didn't. I didn't. No, okay. Uh, who who was Lola in that? Jay and Jay was fabulous. Oh, oh yes, Jay oh Jay. yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, I love it. That's that's so so special. Okay, so you said you're into drag. Have you been watching Drag Race? Yes, I have. Simone is where it's at. Listen. I absolutely yes. agree. We, we just recorded like a little uh, episode off for our Patreon with Robbie Roselle. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, Robbie is speaking of him. And uh, we were all just, we settled on the fact that I think it's Simone's to lose at this point. Yeah. 
Ooh, that pressure though. She'll I know. <laughs> she's fabulous. I just love it. I can't wait to see what she does tonight. I know yeah. she always has a reference. She always surprises. You know, I miss, I'm going to miss Tamisha Iman already though. Cause I she's know. my queen. But she has a plan too. When she walked up and said, I'll be back for all stars. I said, Oh, okay. <laughs> she's ready. Oh my <laughs> God. Sometimes Queens will say that in their elimination. And I always think, Oh, you know, but with her, I was like, yes, definitely. Well, cause I think, What'll make her great in All-Stars is I don't think she'll necessarily change a lot as a person. I think she is kind of who she is. Sometimes they come back and they're very hyper aware of the cameras. They're, they know what to do. They know how they want to be portrayed. They and have new lips. New lips. Yeah. They, <laughs> all that. But I think she's going to come back with a higher budget. She's going to have a better understanding of how to be on TV. But I think that she is this incredible she is who she is. And I think that yep. is what is going to make her go far. Dylan, Dylan keeps calling me little girl. Little girl. Remember when she kept saying that to Candy? <laughs> yes. Well, I was just about to say she is who she is. And she said what she said. That's right. That's right. Oh, my God. I'm waiting for the T-shirt for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a merch queen. And that is the one thing. I None of her other merch has really spoken to me yet. Other than the, of course, the the high top sneakers that she's selling. I don't know if you've seen those. They have her face on I've not on seen them. those. Oh, my goodness. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. <laughs> KTP, you've got to watch Drag Race UK. That's what someone told me this week. So it's really good. It is oh, amazing. Yeah. It's even better than, um, I think it's even better than US. There's just something a little little more scrappy about it that makes it mm-hmm. so fun to watch. Anyway. Oh, nice. So we are sadly wrapping up, but we like to end on what we call a dose of drama. It could be something you want to rant about, something you want to rave about. Anything on your mind in the pop culture world? And I have something on my mind. Not Speak on it. Not necessarily in the pop culture world, but I am feeling some type of way about people who are jumping the line to get vaccines over people who actually should get them. I'm speaking yeah. mostly about this Soul Cycle instructor who pretended she was like this essential educator. Meanwhile, I know teachers in New York who still can't get the vaccine. And she, this instructor had the nerve to post on her Instagram about all the six or seven different people that helped make it happen. And then she's fighting with people in the comments saying, oh no, I'm, edu- I'm teaching class to people over the age of 65, et cetera, et cetera. When in actuality, she's teaching outdoors and the older people aren't even riding these classes. So I think it is just ridiculous. Am I glad people are getting the vaccine and we are moving towards more normalcy, a return to a revitalization of the country? Absolutely. And hopefully she will not be spreading the vaccine to anyone or not be getting her sick herself. But to the people jumping in line for the vaccine, I have to wonder at what cost? Because if I got the vaccine before my parents, like my dad, who's over 65, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. I know everyone's got their own way, but I think people who are actually out there in the world Frontline workers, working in grocery stores, teachers should have access first and shame on her. Anyway. Yeah. Drama. I'm winded. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a real thing. I guess my my uh, pop culture thing right now, this is it's a near guilty pleasure. So I'll share it. Um, I haven't told anyone else this. So I've recently watched the on Hulu, the New York Times, the framing of Britney Spears. Okay, so I'm not a Britney queen. That's not my life. Mm -hmm. But the last three days, I have not been to Britney Spears Instagram page this much in my entire life. Like, I'm checking, I'm reading the tea leaves. I'm like, is she all right? Free Britney, free. Everyone should be free. Like, (laughs) I am really passionate about this. I know. Um, And I started the documentary and I was like, okay, really? This is free Britney? What are we talking about? And then I watched it and... 
it's just we uh, our society should be ashamed of Fully. What, of what we did then and this is another awakening we all need to do better people mm-hmm. deserve their privacy um we need to talk more about mental health we need to understand that while artists do something for us they do not belong to us Ooh. and they do have a right to a certain amount of privacy and that line needs to be made very clear. And I think we may be getting better at it. I mean, but I mean, so paparazzi isn't as bad, but social media is a scary dicey thing. I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, that's all. That's my thing. No, I, that is, I, I, I was going to say that as well. It is so th- like enthralling that documentary and it, it makes me so sad. It makes me feel guilty for being a teenager who laughed at the, the jokes about Britney and the thing. I mean, but we've grown, like you said, it's a reawakening and we're, we're learning to be better now. And I do think it has gotten better. I think that social media has changed things in some ways uh, because like they mentioned in the documentary stars have more control over their, what they want to share and whatnot, but I don't know, poor Brittany. I saw yesterday that she, she was in court again. And, but Mm -hmm. I guess it was like a good step forward. What ended up happening. I can't speak to it. It was. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, you know, it was, um, you know, there's a silver lining here, but we're not all the way. We haven't crossed Mm -hmm. the finish line yet, but you know, things are, are looking better for her. Yeah, and did you see Justin Timberlake apologized? Publicly. He did. Yes. So that's a good thing too. Now I'm waiting for Diane Sawyer to apologize. She's next. See, and I have not. Sh- I know you're. You're like you're keeping your fingers on the pulse of Britney. And I have not shared this out loud. It's so it feels silly, but it's not. It really is kind of like, come on, this is an easy one. The easy. other stuff is like, okay, maybe harder for people to wrap their heads around, but this is an easy one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely mm-hmm. agree. Yeah. Free Brittany. I think that Justin's apology was was actually well-written. I think that there's more he can do. I think he needs to even apologize further for what he did to Janet, but I guess that's yeah. sort of a separate thing. I mean, he did acknowledge it in the apology, but... She needs her own. Uh, the misogyny, the white supremacy, the heteronormativity it's all just it's all intertwined and it's it's a mess but we got a free yep. britney we will dylan yep. do you do you have a dose of drama i do i have a quick one i'm still um thinking about the golden globes and how there wasn't which we talked about last week ad nauseum with brit mac but i will say that um we love <laughs> she was amazing i'm disappointed that there's no best docu series or best documentary i think a docu series category Thinking about everything we've consumed this last year on a national conversation, you know, Tiger King, even Cheer, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which was on HBO, if anyone's seen that one. It's about Patton Oswalt's late wife, who basically discovered who the Golden State Killer was and passed away in the middle of her search. It's this gorgeous, gorgeous documentary. I think that we should be recognizing that as art now, too. You know, even this framing Britney Spears, this could be a great thing to be included in that. So many documentaries and series are things that we watch and consume, and I think they need to be recognized as art. Love it. Kyle, thank you, KTP. Thank you. I love it. <laughs> I, when I find a nickname, I'm like, oh, this is so fun to say. Everyone needs to stream his album. It is seriously amazing. It's available wherever, you know, you can listen to music, right? Yep, it's available on all streaming platforms. There's also some gorgeous merch. I mentioned I'm a merch queen. There's some some incredible, uh, there's a vinyl that I saw there for everyone like me. If you got a record player for Christmas, got to get that. You know it. 
This was such a delight. It was so nice to catch up with you, Kyle. I'm thankful for your friendship. And after all these years to just pick right back up and and uh, see that you're doing great and see that you're putting out just beautiful, beautiful storytelling through your art. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for your friendship. This is so much fun. Oh, I'll yay. be listening more. Thank you. Ooh, thank you. Love it. Love it. Well, everyone, like, subscribe. Follow us at The Drama Podcast, me at Connor McDowell, Dylan at Dylan McDowell. Yes, and Connor, we will see you next time. Drama. Drama.